Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. My name is Tom, you may know me as the creator of Like Stories of Old, and I'm joined by fellow video essayist Thomas Flight to talk about The Worst Person in the World, directed by Joachim, Joachim Trier? I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. Anyways, Thomas, why do you want to talk about The Worst Person in the World? I think uh, this is a great movie for us to talk about because the name of our podcast is Cinema of Meaning. And as I was rewatching this film in preparation for the podcast, it really settled in that like, as a whole, I think this is a movie about searching for meaning, about feeling a sense of absence of meaning and kind of struggling with that. Mm, yeah. In in some ways, uh, we'll get into this more, but like it's about what feels to me like a very millennial condition, which maybe isn't specific to millennials, but like at least the way it's portrayed here is in a form that's very recognizable to me. I've either experienced a lot of the questions that these characters have, or I know people who are kind of dealing with these same questions themselves. So this is Cinema of Meaning, and we're going to get to the bottom of <laughs> the search for meaning that's that's in this movie. What about you? Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned it. For me, at first, it felt like a very counterintuitive film for to analyze because it's such a naturalistic, realistic. It's I think in one of the interviews he said that, or the director said that it's basically his version of a romantic comedy, but obviously it's much more grounded in the reality of life instead of in the in a story that or the reality of stories that unfolds according to like certain structures and has a certain progression and this film in that sense feels more random at times like there might be like we're, we're going to get into some of the meanings but it feels like we have to be the ones to project them onto it right it doesn't feel like a movie that wants to be picked apart like according to traditional analytical terms like that it doesn't have like a clear character arc or like an inciting event and then there's like a twist or i think that's an interesting place to start is that the film is divided into these chapters it's a prologue and then 12 separate chapters that each feel mostly distinct like they are clear their own short stories almost or their own scenes and then there's an epilogue at the end so yeah what what were your thoughts on just your first impressions on the, just the basic presentation and the structure of this film. Yeah. Well, when I watched it the first time, I I, I think like you I felt like it was very counterintuitive or just like I think it comes at you with a very unusual structure. And I think it's it's an interesting film in that it doesn't fit into these neat like narrative categories. So like, you know, you can describe it as a romantic comedy, but it's definitely breaking that form it's maybe this sort of realist drama, but, you know, it has this strange structure. So anyway, like it, it's hard to you're not going to sit down and watch this and go like, oh, I know where this is going. Like I, you you know, some films you watch and you you get a sense of the beginning of like the trajectory that the movie's going to take you on. Yeah. And then, you know, the film's quality or meaning or satisfaction is either in how it fulfills that or subverts that. And this is a movie where you get into it and you immediately kind of realize like, oh, this isn't going to necessarily proceed in the way I expect. And after I watched it the first time, I think I got to the end and I kind of didn't know. I was like, there's a bunch of pieces here that are interesting, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know how to put all those pieces together or if, you know, assembled into something, if they really meant anything. There was a lot of a lot of individual elements that I found really compelling or interesting. The prologue at the beginning 
is kind of this montage that establishes Julie's life and she's distracted. She's switching between careers. She like, she doesn't know what she wants. And I thought the way that that was portrayed was like really fun and funny and snappy uh, and like very Mm -hmm. cleanly edited. There's another like similar kind of montage that happens later. I think it's it's in the chapter Finmark Highlands about Ivan's Ivan's uh, girlfriend at the time and her yeah, yeah. her sort of like as she becomes obsessed with climate change and mm-hmm. sustainability and all these things. It's also like this very concise, like well edited sequence. Mm-hmm. There's a sequence where they all do a bunch of mushrooms. And so there's this like weird drug sequence. And then there's some chapters that are just like, here's just a naturalistic, you know, nothing weird is going on. There's no strange editing. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, a bit of story and a scene. Yeah. And so, you know, my first watch, I was like, some of this is very exciting and interesting, and others it didn't quite land. So that was my first impression. I think I got it a little bit more going in watching it a second mm-hmm. time and we'll talk about some of that but but how did you feel about this structure yeah i think i had roughly the same experience like you said in the prologue it's very light-hearted almost it's funny it's uh, we see her as an almost typical millennial who cannot decide what she wants to do with her life she starts off doing medicine or something and then switches to psychology and then switches again because she wants her passion turns out to be photography yeah so she takes on this uh, part-time job at a bookstore while she's working to to get her photography off the ground but then slowly it does become more dramatic like there's some dramatic turns at towards the end i'm not sure if you want to get into spoilers straight away in case some people haven't watched the movie yet in which case you definitely go do it because it's a fantastic film but for me that there was a bit of a tonal shift towards the end that surprised me like you said it's it's a very surprising yeah. film in its structure and because you really feel like the story doesn't unfold from the point of view from the main character like normally you meet a character in a story and then there's you know there's going to be an arc and everything that happens in the story is related in some way or another to that arc whereas in this film that tries to capture more uh, like the randomness of life yeah you also see that she's being faced at times with like random events almost or like external things that happen to her even though they don't necessarily contribute to her arc or at least not in the direct way that you expect to happen in other stories. But yeah, on second watch, knowing what to expect, you go into it knowing it gets heavier towards the end or like at least slightly more grounded and realistic and more muted. I think I appreciated it more on the second viewing. For me, what was interesting was how it, because in my mind, it was this really grounded, realistic story, yet it also has a lot of stylized uh, elements, like you mentioned the editing, uh, the mushroom sequence that has these surrealist elements to it. There's other montages too, like where she first meets uh, Ivan and they have this, there's like slow motion, there's music, and it's, it's all like heightened and then other cases it's very like straightforward it's almost like you're the the fly on the wall who's watching so i thought that was a really interesting contrast like how do you tell a story that feels real with uh, both of those elements so yeah that's what got me interested most in like digging a little deeper into it and yeah see how all this contributes to any like generalizable meanings that are found in the story or like even just pinpointing like the basic character arc of Julie in this film and who her character is because as you said in the beginning she is a very uncertain person like she's or distracted you said uh, uh, she doesn't know what to do with her life and then she 
uh, falls into this relationship with uh, a guy named Axel. He's a bit older than her, so I think at first she's really she's drawn into the more adult life, probably like a bit too quickly. Yeah. Um, because the first real chapter is where she meets uh, Axel's friends and they are like older friends. He's like early 40s and she is in her late 20s something. Yeah. He, of course, he has friends who have children and she is not sure if she wants to have children or at least not straight away. And then he's like, like, what's what's the obstacle? Like what has to happen for you to be able to make that step? Which I think was a really interesting question that I feel like a lot of people can relate to when it comes to making the big decisions in life. Like when do you get married? Uh, when do you have children? Or if you even have want to have children, where are you going to live? Like when are you going to buy a house? I feel there's a lot of those big life altering decisions that a lot of young people today are like pushing off, even though there's no clear reason for why. It's not like people don't approach those questions, at least generally not, by saying like, I first want to have made like X amount of money or right. I want to have traveled like to an X amount of countries or I want to have a promotion to this exact level and then I'm ready. It feels like a bit more abstract. I'm not sure like what your what your take is on that. It's capturing something that I think I've felt to some degree have seen in a lot of people um, my age, our age, like this in, in a world of, re of relative privilege where, you know, there's kind of we've kind of been handed like here is a world where you can kind of be whatever you want. Like that was the narrative I was presented with growing up. Like you have all of these choices. You can kind of do whatever. Mm -hmm. But the culture that handed me that opportunity didn't also hand me any guidance as far as what I should do. And so like I think there's a lot of people in this age range that's being represented by Julie, where it's like, you know, you kind of have every, the world at your fingertips, but like, you don't know what you want. You can have everything you want, but there's this, mm -hmm. this, this feeling of like, you know, being stuck with too many choices, not knowing what the, you know, like paralysis because of how many options you have. And I think the movie really explores that. And then also the, the tension between like, having this desire to like do something else or not know what you want or this vague like discomfort and unease with the way things are. Let me present this as, as what I think is kind of like a central conflict of the film and how it presents this tension. And then maybe, and maybe we can discuss it from there. Mm -hmm. So I think like she's kind of deciding between these two guys and you've already introduced the one is Axel and he's older and he wants children. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of saying like, he's challenging her, like you said, like what, what needs to happen? What do you, what do you do? And some of those themes unfold like later in the film, like he kind of represents this like dying era. He's a comic book artist. He appreciates the art of the past and feels like that's mm -hmm. dying off. So there's that world. Yep. And then there's this guy who is more her age. He is kind of similarly aimless. He's not like an artist with like a clear direction. And he, by way of his previous girlfriend, is like very concerned about, you know, sustainability, coming climate, like Western guilt, like all these things are kind of weighing on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily want to have children. And she's kind of stuck in this middle position of like deciding between these two positions. Mm -hmm. And so I, th I think like her back in her being stuck romantically between these two is kind of allows this idea of like being stuck in between these ideas and these places and not knowing which you want, not knowing if you should sort of like 
following the tradition that's that's always been there. There's a little sequence on her birthday, I think, where it kind of like does this short little essay about her. She like looks at her mother and then her grandparents and it's like her mother was single, already had children and was running an accounting firm or something by the time she was 30. And her grandmother had all these things and then it flashes back, like goes all the way back to her like great, great, great grandmother who like had seven children and then didn't even live to be 30 and died. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like setting that up as this past. And she's like, do I follow in that those footsteps and have children? But then there's this vague sense of like, but that doesn't feel like there's some blockage there. And I feel like the film is very much like trying to get at like that idea and what that is, it doesn't have a clear answer. So it's this much more nebulous, like underlying mm -hmm. sense. I like the idea that, as you said, that at least that Axel represents this sort of dying era, or at least a, you can see it too, because he's a comic book artist who's kind of provocative. Right. And then later on, he gets on a radio show and he gets called out or canceled or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, basically canceled. Uh, I wasn't sure what to make of it because that was like a whole there was a whole chapter dedicated to that scene. And it's something that, um, just to go back to the structure a little bit, there's some chapters that have these clear big moments, like they either she meets with someone and falls in love, or they, she breaks up, or there's something else, like some major life event that happens. But then there's also like these little snippets that are also like distinctively shorter than the other chapters, but they also don't seem to, at least not at first, like add very much to the story itself. I think one of the shortest chapters is called Oral Sex in the Age of Me Too, where Julie, she has a morning of inspiration and she, she writes this little uh, short piece of erotic fiction, I think it is. Yeah. And she sh shares it with Axel and he likes it. He says like, oh, it's good. And it's sort of about the conflict between her natural, or at least in her perception, her natural sexual desires versus like feminist ideals that seem to contradict them in some way. Mm -hmm. But that's the whole chapter. Like it doesn't seem to contribute to anything like especially meaningful or like not in an explicit sense, at least. Addressing the central, the, the question that I think Julia is struggling with in this film, which is like, what is meaningful in, in life? Like, where should I go? Mm -hmm. I think the film's kind of pitting two ideas against each other, which is like having kids as one option. It's like a central theme throughout the film. And then art as another, like, and Axel is this character. So we're getting pretty heavy into like spoiler territory now, I guess. But Axel is this character who uh, wants children, but he has art and then he ends up dying by the end of the film. And there's kind of this question towards the end that he's facing of like, mm -hmm. like he says very distinctly at the end, like, I don't want to live on through my art. There's this sense of like, he wanted something else. And as he's dying, he has this feeling of like, mm -hmm art in itself is not enough. And I think Julie is trying to find some meaning potentially in that process. Like she's trying to become a photographer. That chapter three, uh, Oral Sex in the Age of Me Too, is linked pretty closely to the scene of her birthday. It's all kind of like there together. And so mm -hmm. they don't say it explicitly, but there's this juxtaposition of like, she's turning 30 and the most impressive thing that she's done so far in her life, or at least that the world has recognized her for, is like this little story that she wrote on the internet. Because it does mention at the end of the chapter, there's a little bit of voiceover that tells like this, that the story got some, like it, it, it went semi-viral yes. on Facebook and it got like, it got some recognition. Yeah. So this is like the first kind of significant achievement in her life by the time she hit 30. And then that's directly contrasted against like 
all the women in her family who have had kids. And there's this sense of disconnect of like, she's comparing those two things in her mind, I think, to some degree. And then also there's this disconnect between her and her parents where like her father doesn't even read the article because he's like technologically illiterate. Mm -hmm. That's what I think that like that is kind of setting up this sense of like, oh, I finally feel like I've achieved something or gotten recognition for something. But then there's this like almost emptiness in that because it potentially feels like insignificant compared to the, these like monumental things that like her past, gen, you know, generations before her had already done by her age. Yeah. I think I had a slightly different take on Axel dying and he develops cancer, he dies. But to me, it felt more like a, a sort of motivation almost for Julie or like a a wake-up call that life is going to end. Right, like yeah. he won't have forever to figure it out, to just like uh, mess around or do whatever and be indecisive. She has to make like some decisions. She has to stand for something or like follow through on something. And yeah, like long before you uh, hope it will end, it's probably going to be over. So yeah, that's in short my take, or at least like my initial interpretation of how death plays into this whole story. Right. Yes. Yeah. I had another question for you. Sure. Um, you mentioned like the, the chapter three being for Julie, the, uh, her first significant achievement. To what extent do you feel the chapters are subjective? Like, are they structured based on what is significant to Julie? Or is it more like a detached storyteller trying to tell the story of Julie and then having a more detached person organize it into a way that makes sense to him, in this case, the director. There's this interesting line that Axel says towards the end when he's talking to Julie about dying. He says, like, um, I have memories of you. I know things about you that, like, nobody else does, like, that even you yourself have probably forgotten. Mm -hmm. And, like, when I die, that will go with me. And there's this idea, especially towards the end of the film, of, like, our memories of someone kind of, like, inherently meaningful or or is there a sense in which like a person can live on or die in those memories mm -hmm. there is kind of this like snapshot memory quality to the structure where it's like these little events these individual memories kind of like oh remember that time you took a bunch of mushrooms and freaked out or remember that time you mm -hmm. know blank like yeah. there's that structure there and and we we do leave i think you're right in that the film isn't entirely from Julie's subjectivity because we do leave that we see from Ivan's point of view for a little bit without her. But it could be like maybe that's her perception of what Ivan has told her about himself and his past relation because it's right. It does feel like a bit heightened comically in the way he talks about his ex-girlfriend, the one who's the environmental nut. Right. Which is one of my funniest, <laughs> I think one of the funniest moments in the film with him, his face, and then the voiceover that he's suddenly like has the accumulation of Western guilt sitting on the couch yes. beside yeah, him. Yeah, I love that line. <laughs> <laughs> that and the, the, the scene where they're looking through her Instagram and, and uh, she's like posing and he's trying to tell her that it's just yoga and uh, it's very funny. This is just a little sidebar. The movie does a really good job of kind of tapping into a certain like, like the internet is very present as a part of this story in a way that feels very realistic. Mm -hmm. Like it's a part of the characters' lives, their social media, the things that happen on the internet. And that's a thing that I think few movies have gotten 
right in an interesting way. Like a lot of movies just ignore the, the fact that the internet exists because it, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. suit the narrative or they integrate it in a way that feels like very forced or just kind of like doesn't feel natural. But it definitely plays a role here and is a part of the characters' lives in a way that feels extremely like true to life. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Back to the idea of like perspective. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's possible that even that segment is, you know, her memory of like, you know, what he told her. But it's it's very fragmented in a this is a story of snapshots and fragments and vignettes and and subjectivity to a degree mm-hmm. like you know we see the drug sequence from her perspective when she kind of pauses the war we go into this fantasy where she runs off and the whole world stops and mm-hmm. and some of those things feel very subjective but then there are moments that feel much more like third person where you know we hear like mm-hmm. there will be a dialogue scene and instead of the dialogue playing out we hear like a narrator telling us what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And the narration is also in third person. It's not a first person right. narrative. Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, th- it's like a third, another character that we never meet just like telling us what's happening. Yeah. So I don't know entirely what to make of that, you know, or if... Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was trying to say at, at first, like that it feels like a film that's so counterintuitive. It, it seems to set up rules, then breaks them, yes. then makes up new ones, and then goes from subjective to like, or like first person subjective to third person objective or something. And it, it mashes all these different methods for storytelling together. And But somehow it works. It never bothered me. Like It never felt like it was suddenly out of place or there was this narration that was suddenly too much or that we were suddenly like too deep into one person's perspective it always felt it still had a natural feel to it which yeah. i really liked about it yeah if, if it's at all connected to the theme of the film i think that that like disjointed disconnected feeling is just the film is struggling to find this identity along with julie like she mm-hmm. doesn't know what she wants she doesn't know what you know how she wants to present herself when her and ivan first meet up she like sits down, she crashes this party and then sits down beside him and, and she's like, you're not asking me any of the usual questions. And, and he's like, what are the usual questions? And she says, who am I? What do you do? Mm-hmm. I forget. One of them says like, who am I? What do you do? And then one of them says, I hate those questions. And it's almost like the movie is kind of like embodying that a little bit where it's like, it doesn't want to be defined or it, it's having this hard time being like fit into this mm-hmm. category. It's just like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to do a Martin Scorsese-style montage at the beginning and then immediately switch in the next chapter into, like, a much more naturalistic, something that feels like it could be out of, like, a French film or a more European sensibility of just, like, naturalistic drama or something like that. And it has no problem, like, just switching between those spaces. Yeah, I think that the chapter structure in that sense really emphasizes also that there is no one overarching like narrative it's all one person looking back and cherry picking moments that were of significance some of which clearly lead into others some maybe less so or like more indirectly so yeah that's what i really liked with even with the prologue setting up like the basic premise i think everyone has an idea of who they are like at the basis of themselves like everyone has their default like i started out here and there and now i'm on the journey towards whatever like I feel like everyone has their own prologue or like their own origin story that's relatively set, like your childhood or like your student years or like whatever. And then you start beginning like 
to pick out the moments that were more decisive or more to change the course or the direction of your life a little bit more. In that sense, it's maybe structured in the way, I mean, this, I guess this is kind of what you're saying is like, it's structured in this way in which we try to construct a meaning or a narrative out of these potentially disconnected or disparate or sometimes more random moments in our lives. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's the, it's the Kierkegaard thing with life must be lived forwards, but it's understood backwards. You, you live and you experience seemingly random events or like things happen to you, then something you make happen yourself. Uh, and then only when you look backwards, you can start to connect the dots a little bit, or at least it's your own projection of how things are connected, which is obviously a very flawed or incomplete and subjective account of what then is the story of your life. I think in that sense, the structure of this film really worked to its advantage to give us a sense of, to, to uh, on the one hand, tell a story that is seemingly random, seemingly grounded in the randomness of real life, while at the same time being able to give it some narrative coherence that it still makes an entertaining film or a well-structured uh, story. Do you think there's an arc here to Julie's character, like, I see her at the beginning as she's struggling to find this purpose and then she's kind of like not knowing what she wants. Do you think she gets there by the end? I liked how it seems to say both yes and no, because she set out having settled on photography as she decides at some point that's her passion, that's what she wants to pursue. And in the end, that's what she gets. But it's also like she's a still photographer on a movie set. Like she's not making high art. She's probably doing like the the basic B-roll photographs that films use in their promotion. Like it's not the kind of embodiment of that passion that she had in mind when she set out to pursue it, but she gets it a little bit. And more in her personal life, she ends up alone as far as we know. Yeah. It does this little glimpse where she suddenly sees Ivan again, her last partner at that point, who she apparently had broken up with and he's now together with another woman and they have a child together even though he didn't want one at first so he, apparently he changed his mind too or didn't end up where he thought he would at least yeah. it's also worth mentioning that uh, that for me is one of the things that i was a bit confused about as to what it means to the story is that towards the end it's revealed that julie is pregnant but then later she miscarries so it happens to her accidentally and then it's also right. taken away from her accidentally so in both of those both in the onset of that conflict or like if you can call it the conflict or at least something like a narrative moment there's no choice involved and then as it is resolved there's also not really a choice uh, that was involved um not sure what your thoughts were on that maybe this is reaching a little bit but i think there's a sense in which she's kind of becoming axel by the end where like there's a conversation pretty early on where he kind of tells her they're talking about having kids and he's kind of like you're gonna want to have kids one day and, you know, the conversation kind of moves on. But like she's stuck at the beginning, she, like she doesn't want kids, at least not yet. She thinks maybe she will eventually. Mm -hmm. He wants them. They break up. She gets together with somebody who doesn't. So they're more aligned. They they both don't want children. Then she gets pregnant and is trying to decide, like, do I want to be a mother? So she goes to Axel and he kind of tells her, yes, like you'd be you'd be a good mother. Like if the guy is kind, then go ahead and have the child like you won't regret it. And then that's kind of taken from her and her and Ivan, she miscarries her and Ivan end up breaking up. And so by the end, like 
she's found to at least some degree, it's maybe not exactly what she wants, but to at least some degree, she's found this like direction within her artistic work that like Axel had. There's a line in one of the conversations early on. She says to Axel, like, I wish I had what you had drawing without doubting what you're supposed to be doing. So like she has this sense of like Axel has meaning and purpose in like his art. And she like wants that. Yeah. But Axel's like, oh, yeah, maybe I have that. But I also want this other thing, which is having kids. But I'm stuck with this person who doesn't want to have children. And by the end, her position kind of converges on Axel's where like Axel's died. She's maybe found to some degree meaning in her art. But then there's this other sense in which maybe she did want children and would have had a kid with Ivan. But that has been like taken away from her in the same way that like Axel kind of lost it. I don't know what that means to her arc. And you're right in that it's interesting in that those things aren't really presented to us as decisions. She's just kind of drifting and things are happening to her for the most part. I mean, she makes the decision to break up with Axel and she makes the decisions at the beginning about what to do with her career. But besides that, at least in terms of what we see on screen, she's not a character who's like coming to these decisive moments of like making a choice, which is usually what we want from narrative. So I think it's just something that's sort of like to some extent is happening to her, which in some ways is a lot more like real life than stories. You know, like stories have this huge emphasis on choice, but there's a lot of life in our personal lives that, that does just happen to us. But it's one of the challenges I think that you always have in any movie that's like exploring sort of like malaise or directionlessness or any of these things is that like it's really hard to do that and not create characters that also just feel directionless and like uh and to make a film where you just kind of get to the end of it and you're like it feels a little aimless because that's where the characters are yeah when you have like a main character who's too passionate yes yeah and that makes it uncomfortable for the viewer right but like mm -hmm. if that's part of what the story is trying to do in portraying a realistic portrait of you know some aspect of life or something then maybe that discomfort is playing into the story I know I felt like after I watched it the first time, I felt unsatisfied at the end. Yeah, a little bit. It doesn't have like a traditional climax. It doesn't end on a strong note. It just kind of ends. But yeah, coming back to what you said about Julie wanting to have what Axel had, I saw it more not necessarily she wants his devotion to art, but more so his clear focus on basically anything. Right. Like he's someone who knows what his life's purpose is, quote unquote. He knows what he wants to do. He knows what he's good at. And he has managed to make a living out of it. And I think that's what Julie has been missing mostly because she's dating Ivan. He, she at one point lashes out to him because Ivan is also kind of floating around, working at a coffee shop and doesn't seem to have an ambition to do anything else. And then at some point, I think Julie sees like the mirror image of herself in him and she gets angry for him not being more ambitious. He's like, I want more out of life. Like this is not enough for me. I guess that's for me also like what I'm guessing is the most relatable aspect of her character for the kind of millennial persons who are now in that same age range who are also maybe don't have life exactly figured out. That idea of just wanting something to hold on to and then have that be enough. Yeah. But of course, as you said, like it does break down that idea that Axel doesn't also have everything figured out as it might appear to Julie because as you said, he, he wanted children. He wanted maybe a more traditional family life which he didn't get to have and 
Uh, maybe even his art didn't turn out as impactful or memorable as he would have hoped. Because there's also that bit where at one point his comic book series is being adapted into a movie, but they've completely like butchered it and it's not no longer his. So there's this sense of yeah, he's accomplished something, but it's also corrupted by the world. Like it's no longer truly his. And so whatever was his original art might not live on as the other version of it or like the corporate um, interpretation of it. I guess it does play into the um, feeling that you think you want something out of life and then even if you get it or you don't, it it's never quite what you expected it to be. I always think it's an interesting note that a lot of these films ultimately end on with a character doing something creative or like artsy, mm-hmm. as if that is like the the best outcome for a person who is struggling to follow their passion, but... It always makes me laugh a little bit because obviously these stories are told by people who (laughs) are doing exactly that. So it's like, of course, the filmmaker thinks the best outcome for a character is that she becomes more like him or like artistic and more creative. You never, you rarely, what I miss sometimes in films like these is just characters who end up being an accountant or like a government worker or like something ordinary, like a basic desk job or like a car mechanic or whatever and be happy with that but yeah (laughs) i think that maybe might be part of the issue that we feel the need to do something that's not necessarily something that contributes to the world but more like something that manifests our passion physically in some way that that should be our connection to the world but that's not necessarily a note on this film specifically as this sort of trope that we often see in films like these but yeah this movie kind of goes in that direction you know it ends on the note of her kind of stepping more into her career but it's a very half-hearted affirmation of that as like an actual place to find meaning the way it ends it's kind of like i don't know if this is what the director was going for but to me it feels very much like a well you know this is kind of the best you can hope for is to like do your work and find some kind of sense of meaning in that but like even then you'll probably feel a little bit like eh, discontent or, you know, there's never going to be this moment of like, oh, I have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a pretty melancholic yes. filmmaker, I think. Yeah, I think he does affirm that, as you said, indeed, you, you will always feel that there will be always be some emptiness that's lingering with you wherever you go or whatever you do, which is a bit depressing. But <laughs> you talked earlier about the relation between art and memory. Yeah. I had a conversation with that about, I've actually had multiple conversations about that with some other people who, we we talked about the concept of traveling alone. And for me, like, I personally never really saw the appeal in it. Like, uh, unless you like go to travel and meet other people or meet new people, but really the idea of truly being by yourself, that uh, for me seemed pointless because I always feel like I can visit like some distant foreign city and then I'll see the sights and I'll have the local food or whatever. And then I go home and then those memories, they are just like mine. Yeah. Like I can talk about them with others, but I cannot truly share them with yeah. others. So it might give you like some expanded knowledge about like other places in the world and as i mentioned before you can meet like new interesting people but like fundamentally for me there's some point in life where i can feel like a real melancholy rising like what is ultimately like the point of all your good memories like what's the point of like chasing everything and doing everything and having all those good times everywhere if it's just going to be a memory in your head and one that's fading 
as well. Like there's plenty of good times I've like long forgotten. So it can be a bit sorrowful to think about like what was the point in doing all those things if I'm just going to be forgetting it or I'm just going to be carrying it by myself as like some memory that's stuck in my head. Yeah. Not really doing anything there. To that point, I think one thing this movie is fairly uncritical of to some extent, like it's realistic about it in the sense that like not everything plays out perfectly. You know, obviously the characters are torn between multiple people or whatever, but the movie itself is fairly uncritical of like love and connection between the characters like that's what it presents with the most sort of rose colored glasses are these moments of like connection between people or romance like that's kind of the romantic comedy element of that and I don't think it actually like deconstructs that idea too much like the reason she kind of leaves behind both Ivan and Axel is not like there was nothing there with Axel there's even this sense that she like continues to love him and maintains this connection with him but it's just like none of them know enough what they want from life to figure it out long enough to like make it work or something like that. So if there's any sense of like, here's where real connection is or meaning is in this movie, it's maybe presented in in those moments. But yeah, that's it's not without the accompanying melancholy of like loss and impermanence and this grief and passing of time. Yeah, there was the... One nice moment towards the end where you have Axel telling Julie that she was the most important relation of her life and that she was the love of his life, which I think was also an, a really nice affirmation that when she was like struggling to make sense of her life and not sure what to do, feeling purposeless, then all that time she was also unknowingly being like the most significant aspect of his life, which I thought was a really nice sentiment also a again with the added melancholy right. because after the realization comes then the axel also died shortly after so there was even now that she knows it there was no way to like reclaim that i guess that sort of plays nicely also into my earlier rant about lonely memories and just the importance of sharing stuff because if there is some kind of meaning in all of this it might be a good place to start searching for it and like the memories of others or like Again, it does for me show it to some extent the importance of having connections and not spending all of your life alone, which I guess might be a bit a counter message to what the film says, as Julie does seem to end up alone. But I do not think the movie necessarily suggested that she will be loveless for the rest of her life. I think it's more that she's now in the right place to start having or to start building those real connections um, because she's finally found something that's hers that's stable that she can cling to and then maybe from there like what can happen next who knows there is this kind of sentiment that if she meets someone new there might not be the same obstacles in the way that there were before like she has overcome something and now she's ready for like whatever comes to what you were saying about memory there's that scene right towards the end where they go back she goes with axel to um, the apartment he grew up in. And then she's like taking photos oh, yeah. of him. So there is a sense in which, you know, the movie is kind of addressing memory, especially towards the end as he's like, she's kind of capturing or trying to understand these memories of his to carry them forward past his death or whatever. Mm -hmm. The real tragedy of the film is you get this sense towards the end that maybe they would have gotten back together because she even says that when they break up, she's like, maybe we'll get back together one day. 
that they would have gotten back together, but like he dies. And so it's impossible. So hopefully for Julie, there's another Axel in her, maybe somebody more appropriately aged for her that shows up that uh, she'll find like after this movie ends. We can hope. Yeah. I won't be too optimistic because like she says about Ivan, I like to imagine that my pessimism gives me depth to my personality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to this otherwise cheerful personality. <laughs> yeah, well, one other thing, like, to lean into the pessimism a little bit, it's like this film was once again a reminder for me, like, how random it is for people to develop cancer. Like, for me, that's what made that moment, like, so effective that it wasn't like a car accident or like some other cause of death that could have allowed you to detach it from yourself a little bit. Because I think he had pancreatic cancer, which I think is one of the more deadly forms and also one of the forms that you can develop regardless of lifestyle. And it's not like lung cancer that's caused by like excessive amounts of smoking or... And of course, I think nobody really believes they are the ones to develop like a kind of cancer like right. that. That happens to other people. You don't expect it to happen until it happens yeah. to you. And this film in that sense was for me like a real reminder, like how scared I really am of developing like cancer like that. Like it, it really made palpable for me that moment that it might suddenly all be over. Like I think we all have some concept of death, like eventually we, we will die, but no one truly believes they'll be the one to have their whole life like undermined by a cancer that develops when you're like in your, in your forties or something, or even before yeah. that. But yeah, that for me, that was a really effective way to, to really invoke that fear of death that I think people have, but not always as clearly as they maybe should at some, or at least like, I'm not saying like we should all be scared of death like all of the time, but I think it's a good reminder that to know that it might be like closer than you think. And it might be like right around the corner, even when you're not expecting it. Yeah. And when you're doing everything that you can in your perception to prevent it. But yeah. Yeah. It's a movie that very much affirms like, Life is short, life is complicated and fragile. Fragile. And in that light, it's good to do what you can to try to find what's meaningful and pursue that and make that a priority, you know, early on because, you know, you may not have as much time as you think to do that. It's such a movie that like captures a sense of time and place that like almost the first time I watched it, I didn't even like appreciate that about it because it just felt so like oh yeah this is the world i'm living in like i mean to your point about i i um the ending hit me especially hard because a friend of mine who was not axel's age but but my age from college who i haven't known for about a decade but i found out not that long ago that she died of breast cancer and it was like the first person like that that i had like been friends with or kind of grew up with for a, a period of time and it's like, that's life. The story isn't fantastical. All the things that happen in it are things that happen to people or that people struggle with that, you know, I know or or have, you know, the the very central question of like, should I have kids or not is like a question a lot of people I know deal with or are struggling with. And that's a significant question that is pretty important to a lot of people's lives and is a difficult decision to make. But it's so like personal and intimate that not a lot of people talk about that like very openly or publicly. You hear vague statistics of like, oh, people in first world countries are, are having children less or whatever. But aside from one-on-one -on -one discussions with people, I haven't seen much like representation of that in popular media. That's a bit of a sign of the times also where 
uh, which plays into this movie that a lot of the things that used to be expected of you, like having children wasn't really a choice for many people way back in the past. I think that's also what you see when you have that montage with all her great, 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 great grandmas and stuff. Um, but now suddenly, like everything that we used to do naturally is now something that has to be motivated right, almost. Right. I think there's also that line in the bit with Ivan about his uh, environmental struggles that every choice now has to be made in relation to the greater good, like from that perspective, like everything contributes to something else. So everything has to be consciously chosen or has to be like weighed against something else. So there is, in that sense, it's not like the fault of the millennials or Julie in this case that they cannot figure out their lives because like everything that used to be simple and straightforward has now been complicated to a degree. This is exaggerating a little bit because I think existential struggles have been, I think they are fundamental to what we are as human beings and they have probably always been us like from day one. But I do think there are some specific traditions or like cultural expectations that have been deconstructed in our modern times and haven't been reconstructed into something that's equally uncomplicated. And I think that that's also something that this film captures really well. It doesn't just show Julie as being flaky because that's her personality trait, or you don't see Ivan being like a slacker because he's just lazy or indecisive. It does tie it into like these wider cultural and sociopolitical relations that also have an effect on how they can live their life with some sense of certainty and direction. It reminds me in some ways a lot of, weirdly, of Bo Burnham's inside in that like I think it captures a very chaotic displaced sense that like I felt I think other people have felt that's hard to like put a finger on it's hard to describe it's hard to put into concrete terms because it's very much about like a discomfort or displacement or a, a struggle between like the past and the future and a changing world and you know like you said some of those things are more universal like we're not the first generation to struggle with existential anxieties or whatever but there's a certain texture and color to the way that they're presented here that I'm like oh yes like I can see that in the world around me or in my own life. And I think this movie does a great job of like capturing that and bottling it up and maybe doesn't provide answers, but like explores a lot of the questions and like captures a certain experience and some of the complexities of that experience. And I think it's a movie that people will look back on in the future and be like, that was one of the movies around that time that kind of like grabbed a certain essence of something that was happening or the way some people were feeling um at least it it captures the essence of something that i don't think i've seen another movie do mm -hmm. there's a book i'm reading right now called nobody is talking about this by patricia lockwood that also is kind of doing this that and it's interestingly is also very like disjointed and is just little tiny fragments and it involves the internet and it kind of thematically exist in a similar space, but I think they're both tapped into this kind of experience that is being captured. So I'm excited. I'm glad to see other artists who are capturing this. And I think that's unique and interesting and something this film is doing well. Yeah, I agree. And part of what makes this film so effective is that feeling that you described or like that essence that it's trying to reach at. That's, I feel that's a sort of token of how we are still coming to understand like our age of the internet and our age of like 
total connection with everything, but also no real connection to like anything. And so subsequently also see that like stories and films, they are still trying to find ways to articulate it. And in that sense, I feel this movie is a great step in doing so, in capturing that, which until now, I think a lot of people weren't quite able to put into words or um, couldn't really find expressed in films or stories that they want to relate themselves to. So that's probably what made this films like such a great one for me, like and, and a relatable to one, even though it's a story about like a woman in a different country. And I think that's also a part of our time. Like everyone is kind of connected to the same issues, at least maybe like globally here in the West. Things like climate change, the internet, that's happening like everywhere, like social media. So in that sense, we're all like, I'm not sure this is speculating, but in I'm wondering to like what extent are the issues that used to be more like specific to a time and place are now more are also being globalized that we are all like more and more experiencing the same kind of identity struggles but yeah that's just speculation yeah. on my part it was an interesting point of note to me i think this is the first this is my bad i think this is the first explicitly norwegian film that i've watched at least contemporary i can't think of any others that i've seen recently it was interesting to be watching this story that is in so many ways relatable, like you're saying, portrayed in another country. And I was like, oh, this isn't an explicitly American problem. You know, it's not a, you know, because sometimes you draw these imaginary dividing lines between people or places in your mind. And you're like, oh, I see this happening in my culture, this kind of like malaise or whatever, you know, you're trying to describe or search for meaning or whatever. And so seeing it portrayed so well in a Norwegian film, I think speaks to a more universal quality, at least among, I think, you know, like the dividing lines are no longer location, but because of the internet, it's like the dividing lines have more to do now with maybe like class or privilege or what your specific background is, or like, you know, this experience seems one that illustrates very clearly like people who have been given a certain amount of choice and freedom and now are like, you know, instead of the direction of their life being defined like by this is what I need to do to survive or just get by or do what society is expected of me, you now have like, I get to choose what my life will be and the, the challenge that comes with that along with being like suddenly exposed to the internet and then suddenly like faced with this idea that there's all these global consequences to maybe every little decision you make and, you know, having to grapple with that and what you're going to do about it. And if anything is meaningful in the context of this oncoming disaster or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily like in the face of an upcoming disaster. It's just like... It's in like the perceived... It's the perceived reality. Right. Yes. Because like even back in like the Roman times or something less, like the Mediterranean, for example, really weird example but it used to be like much more forested until like the romans they cut a lot of it down and now it's the whole landscape has changed and but i'm pretty sure like in that time they didn't think too much about it maybe they did i'm not sure we do tend to keep our modern problems like specific to us we don't tend to project them back on the past or ancestors and think they might may have had the same struggles too but i feel like it's just like that right now it's more that not necessarily that our actions have more implications to the planet even though like there's some uh, aspects to life where our 
contact with the planet has become more complicated. Like the apple you eat doesn't come from the tree that's like two blocks away. It's like coming from Spain where it was grown in like a glass house and then sent over to Japan to be washed and then sent back yeah, or something yeah. like that. Like that's not a real example. <laughs> <by the laughs> or the one in the film is like there's people dying of thirst in, in Chile because uh, it takes so much water for the uh, avocados, I think is one that Ivan says in the film, uh, yeah. which I don't know if that's a real example or not. Although I've heard that avocados are very uh, environmentally intensive to produce. There is stuff like that where our actions do have wider reaching consequences, but at the same time, it's also just that we've never before been this confronted with like how every individual action impacts yeah, the planet. Yeah. yeah, I think it's much more about not that the impact of those actions are illegitimate. What's new is not the impact, as you're saying. What's new is how present that is to us or our awareness. That specifically, I especially is what I think defines like now versus what it felt like 10 or 20 years ago. But maybe that was just because I was younger and more naive and maybe the 30-year-olds 20 years ago were grappling with these <laughs> things. But I think there is something about the internet specifically that like brings a lot of these things like directly to us in a way that makes it more visceral. Like there is a difference between reading about polar bears or whatever and seeing that yourself or being confronted with that in your day-to-day -day scrolling through Instagram or something like that. And the point of the film is so that you have all this, but you don't have to feel like you're the worst person right. in the world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> who, who is the worst person in the world in this movie? All of us? It's based on a saying in Norway. Like when someone messes up something or like even with some little things, you're like, oh shit, I'm like the worst person uh, in the world. I didn't know that. So it's more like an exaggeration or like a, a metaphorical. But I do think it plays nicely into how people can easily perceive themselves as like every choice I make is wrong, every thing that I do is harmful or whatever, but you're not the worst person in the world. I think that if, if the film is trying to say anything, I, it might just be that. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the show, be sure to check us out on our creator-owned streaming service Nebula, where you can listen to all of our episodes a week early. Right now, the best way to get access to Nebula is by signing up for CuriosityStream, which comes with a free Nebula subscription. To learn more, just follow the link in the show notes, and we'll see you again next time.